Hey guys and welcome back to Talking Business with Boss Brain. It's Kai here. I hope you've all had a happy and safe holiday and are ready to kick goals in 2022. While we get things ready for our next season of podcasts, I've got a very special edition to share for this week. Trent travelled interstate to visit his good friend Kobe Simmett just before the new year as a special guest on his podcast to talk about avoiding business disasters. We highly recommend you check out Kobe's content too. His podcast is similarly titled Talking Business with Kobe Simmett and you can find him wherever you get your podcasts. So as always, we hope you enjoy and we'll see you soon. Welcome back to Talking Business. I'm your host, Kobe Simmett. I'm here with a good friend of mine, Trent Whiston. And I don't think we've seen each other for 18 months because of COVID. No, January, I think. January January 2020. Yep. In New York. Yep. Really good show. So um, we're going to explore a really interesting conversation where Trent in the last, what, two years really has merged a number of boss brain ideas into boss brain and organization, which is kind of a one-stop shop to help your organization do the things you need to do. I'm not gonna steal his thunder, he can get into that, but he's had some really interesting um, business opportunities, business success. He's done a really interesting exit from a business um, and he is getting his head around what he needs to do to get into the future. We're gonna explore a whole bunch of questions. I've got some questions for him, he's got some for me. We're gonna see where this one goes, but um, mate, welcome, it's so good to have you here. Thanks, Kobe. Talking business with Kobe Simmett. We're talking about business. Mate, it's really good to have you here. I haven't seen you for ages and um, it's nice to have someone in the studio. Yeah, thanks, Kobe. When we were talking and you reached out about inviting me and I was like, I'm coming to the studio. I was like, <laughs> I've been locked down in Melbourne <laughs> yeah, for yeah. you know so long and I don't even, we lost track of how many days it was. So I was like, the big thing for us, we were in New York in January 2020 and um, then myself and my wife, we were in Vegas in February, come back on the 28th of February on a flight and all of a sudden the world stops and it's yeah. like you, you're on such this high from being over there and then it's all of a sudden you're in this panic stage. You come back with all these strategies about what you're going to do and and that's what I was talking about the other day. Like I was really impressed with what you have still been able to execute off mm. the back of those mm. um, and we were just like, oh, wow, now we're going back into defence. We're supposed to be on attack. So yeah, yeah. that that was um, really as far as... I talk to people about emotions going up and down. It was like you're on this high and it's like, whoa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you're yeah, just yeah. down. So it's just amazing to get away. Um, I had a plan to come up to Sydney yep. just before the outbreak happened in Sydney. Didn't happen. And then I planned to come away with this and then yeah. Omicron got announced. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I know what to do. <laughs> just was, go. Yeah, I was just like, no, nah, we'll just yeah, go yeah, on. Just so, go on. Yeah, just go it's on. just great to... It's good yeah, to be here. Get out of my environment. So. Yeah, absolutely. Tell me, um, like, Boss Brain's a new thing and I, and I kind of want to explore that and I want to talk about, you know, the different businesses because, like, we do go, oh, you know, I want to hear about this industry or that industry and you've worked across a bunch of industries, which is mm. really interesting. But before we get into that, can you talk to us a bit about, like, what, what is Boss Brain today um, and, and where's it come from? 
Yeah, so Boss Brain today is effectively a, a business service business. Um, so bookkeeping, business coaching, um, we do websites. We did have a marketing arm. I've put that on pause post the COVID thing and we're leaning into the, the bookkeeping and the, you know, the, the coaching side of things in the, in the, in the interim. Um, but ultimately where Boss Brain has come from is with our other business we had, my wife wanted to become a better business owner and she initially went off and did a coaching, you know, course and in that process she established that, hey, hang on, maybe I can help some other businesses with what I've learned and whatever. So on the back of that and also her uncle dying of brain cancer um, was the evolution of Boss Lady Brain, which was coaching for women in small business. And I was in, involved in my other business. I was pretty much told, don't get involved, stay out of it. And um, she was running with that. She's a very strong woman, your she wife. She is. She is. She's very we strong. love her dearly. But that's part of the reason Hello, why I, I can't be with someone who's, because I'm a very high D energy. Yeah, yeah. I just go over the top of people if they don't yeah, yeah, play yeah. ball with me. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I... I love you, April. <laughs> <laughs> so... What happened was she started asking me, even though she told me to stay out of her business, she started asking me to come in and help her clients because they needed particular advice, more so around finances, which is my kind of best skill set. And from there, I started helping people and then we started having men wanting to get those services, but they weren't comfortable with coming to Boss Lady Brain for obvious reasons. So we announced Boss Man Brain. And on the back of Boss Man Brain, I said, now we've got two different businesses, two different Facebook pages, two, like, two different marketing strategies. Let's just combine them. So we dropped the lady and the man and that was the evolution <laughs> of Boss Brain. And that's where we are today. Um, yep. It's non-gender specific. Yep, anyone's invited. <laughs> <laughs> um, yep. So it's a very new business. It's, mm. it's off the back of our other business and it's very new. So that's where now my other business that I was in, I went into it in 2008, right in the middle of the GFC. Chaos. I was 25 years old, didn't really understand the GFC, but now looking back, realised that I've come into a business in the middle of a crisis and I've effectively started another business in the middle of another crisis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yep. But for me personally, I think that's... An amazing thing to do because mm -hmm. we were talking earlier about how sometimes business owners are successful straight away and they ride a wave and it's amazing but then when they get hit with something they don't know how to deal with it whereas I've in both instances of my last two businesses I've been hit with problems right from the get-go it hasn't been at all smooth it hasn't been at all normal it's been straight away bang, 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 significant major issues. Um, and I think that for me, for my evolution of being in business as far as learning and dealing with those things has been more of a benefit than, mm. you know, like I probably would have been a lot harder. I think you were just saying where you'd got your business to a certain point and then it's like, oh, I've just been knocked back. Mm. these runs exactly right and yeah. that can be really challenging so mm. um yeah that's where boss brain's at now as far as where it's going 
my vision for it, and this is off the back of being as a business leader for 12 years, not having a lot of support, having different people involved in my business, whether it's accountants, insurance, you know, not knowing where to go. Trust is such a big thing for me in business, whether it be my staff, whether it be my customers, whether it be the people who I use to help me in my business. As soon as the trust goes, the the relationship ends when it comes to me. And I always struggled with having multiple people involved in the business, yet different ideas. So I wanted to create a a business that was a one-stop shop. It was like a Woolworths shopping centre for business. It's a really challenging concept. I've spoken to people and they're like, we don't know how you're going to execute it because there's so many legal things around it. You know, like if you want to have a business legal department, you can't just start it. You've got to have a legal degree. And then you've got stakeholders that are involved with that. Same with accountants and all insurance and finance brokering, all these things. Marketing, and that's a bit easier because you don't need those legal requirements but to put all those other things together is a real interesting strategy and why people haven't done it because it's quite complicated and trying to manage okay well that person will come into my business but they will want some equity in the business and how does that work and you know so that's my goal um but i think the the really important thing for me and this is where people don't look long term it's a 30-year plan for me it's not Mm. like Mm. i've Mm. got no I don't think it's going to be in five years no, that's right. and I might achieve it in less than 30, but I'm very realistic to say I might not achieve this for 30 years. So that's what I want to achieve. Um, basically create a real machine around business and from there, you know, hopefully that leads me into other things and being involved with other businesses and, you know, who knows from that that point. Mm. Yeah, so it's, it's a really interesting thing in terms of, I think the fundamental problem that you're looking to solve is if you're somebody, if you're a founder, if you're an owner, if you're a, lead, a business leader, that you know it's lonely at the top. Mm, 100%. And, and to have someone that you can go to that can give you a, uh, a confident referral, um, you know, it, it takes that kind of trial and error out of a service provider. You know, the, the common complaint, you never hear from accountants. You know, yeah. like you never hear from accountants. And then sometimes you question whether the accountant's there for you or whether they're t- there to have the tax accurately collected, you know. Um, not how to get around it and how to minimise tax, but, oh, no, that's the situation you're in. Here's the accurate tax. And, and whether it's the legal support, um, you know, or, or those other... I'll just jump in there because that's just brought up a point that's really relevant for me is that a lot of the time that particular person or organisation is coming only from their angle yeah so the accountant's looking at it from their angle and they're not looking at it from the marketing angle or you know the legal Mm -hmm. angle or you know all these other angles that come when it comes to business and that's where i see the benefit of having all of the stuff because you can you can effectively it's like having a board for small business where it's like okay we've got these multiple people we can pull off so we can get the multiple opinions rather than having to go somewhere separately to get those opinions yeah that's a really big thing for me because always dealing with and i i don't like doing it but bashing accountants in the sense that they've done an accounting degree they're very structured in how they're doing it i I think they're very reactive they look at it from a compliant point of view they don't look at it from a business growth point of view yes mm. there's business mm. advisors that are in accountants and they've kind of fell into that kind mm. of industry um but they're not 
they're, they're just so reactive. They're not proactive telling you, you've got to know what questions to ask to extract the information from them. Exactly so right, yeah. that's a huge <clears> thing <throat> for me that, as far as being a problem um, that I really want to solve. Yeah. So if you're, if you're um, say, if, say a founder, I mean, we've been talking a lot of lately about, say, the great resignation. Mm. You know, that, that, that's been a topic that, that has been coming up a lot is if you're somebody, you know, maybe let's talk about a couple of different, you know, case studies. The first case study, somebody who's, you know, got a bit of experience, you've got a few runs on the board, um, you, 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 you're planning a sea change, tree change, you know, change in your life and you're going to go out and maybe start freelancing. Okay, yep. What's your advice for someone who's thinking about freelancing as a starting point? All right, so what I'd say straight away is... And this different opinions. I don't see freelancing as a business. I see freelancing as a job. There's very few freelancers who go out and make hundreds of thousands of dollars. A lot of the time, they they're chasing that freedom. And in business, you need people to scale a business. You don't really have a business just one person. Like it's not an organisation <laughs> if you're one person. Correct. Yeah. So to me, yeah. all you're doing is getting a job. Now, the difference is, is that you don't have a boss directly. Your boss is the customers. But a lot of owners don't realise this. The customer's always the boss. <laughs> like they're the one giving you the money. So often wherever the money's coming from is generally what's determined as your boss. Um, so I see them as being an employee of customers and what i what i see is that people go into this freelancing think i'm i'm going to be free i'm going to be able to do my own thing i'm going to be able to work my own hours and that may be true and i support it for the people that that's all you want to do and it's important that you understand that that's what it is there for and that's its limitations. Unless you're planning on setting up a freelancing business where you start getting other freelancers, but there's numerous sites that do that already. So it's it's about setting expectations. It's about saying, okay, I'm gonna go be a freelancer and that's gonna satisfy my life requirements, my money requirements, but that's it. There's a very, for me, there's a very hard ceiling in the freelance industry. So I think it's a very viable option for people that want that freedom and just you know, happy doing that. But if you are any person that's got any kind of entrepreneurial, I wouldn't suggest it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think um, we, we were talking off camera and and, um, and I think um, we agree on this point that, um, and this is for people in Australia, not necessarily for everyone overseas, figure out what your version of this is, but no sole traders. Mm. Absolutely not. So sole trader is a structure for running businesses uh, or the perception that it's a business. If you're a sole trader, it's not a business. Yep. Um, and so both of our advice is consistent with you that if you're in Australia, just go straight out and register a proprietary limited. Or if you're in the US, register an LLC straight away from day one. Uh, set yourself up for success. Uh, you might have an accountant say, oh, don't worry about it. Just set yourself up as a sole trader or be a casual contractor. Um, it's, it, it's got so many issues down the track and there's so many benefits that you miss out on that um, you know, I think we can just cut straight to the chase on that particular one. And yeah, really yeah. Agree on it. Uh, and there's some industries you have to be, like doctors and like certain industries you do have to be a sole trader because they want liability attributed the to the person. So yeah. you don't have a choice. But if you've got a choice, like I just, yeah, 
It's if you don't have the money to set up a company, don't start a business. It's like you know. Yeah. One thing I will say on that: sometimes company, the word company, and being a director scares people. Yeah, right. Because people associate that being big corporates and stuff, being big governments or like big corporate, you know, publicly listed companies. Like you can be a tiny company. Like you don't you can be a sole director. You don't need to have a board. That scares a lot of people. So I think mm. it's just about people probably doing a bit of more research to find out, well, what does it mean to be a director and what does a company actually look like? So, yeah. yeah, I've had that a bit where people are scared off by just the it's idea that it's a company. Yeah, yeah. right. Interesting. Um, I'll throw in some statistics here. The Small Business Administration in the US reports that one in 240 companies, this isn't sole traders, one mm -hmm. in 240 companies that starts gets past $10 million turnover. Doesn't matter about the currency. And 50% of businesses that start fail in the first year. I, I, yeah. I know they're the stats, but, and I've heard you say this, you don't fail unless you walk away from it. Correct. Unless you quit. Yep. So I, I don't think people, if I, if I look back on what I've done through my life, mm -hmm. persistence and determination is probably one of the biggest attributes that's got me to where I'm at today. Mm -hmm. And that's when we, our previous business, which was a holiday park, my wife had said to me multiple times, let's just go. Like, I've had enough, let's just go. And I'm like, nah, we're finishing what we started. Like, and just people have these expectations that they're going to get to a certain level in a certain amount of time. The, the fact is it doesn't happen. I mean, still mm -hmm. to this day, mm. Uber's not profitable. Yeah. I think Amazon yeah. took 20 years to be profitable. It, like, I think it's um, Facebook and Google, it was like three and five years. I generally say it's three years before you become profitable. And three years, like earning a profit when you don't pay yourself a wage is not a profit. It's just you're paying, that's your wage, <laughs> right? So until you're paying yourself a proper market rate wage and the people in the organization the profit market rate right wage it's only the profit on top of that where you're actually making a profit yeah um so that's and it just doesn't happen and i see people go into it and they're like they don't have any capital so what happens is they need money to live off because these people are going into business coming off the back of a job where they're like i want to make more money and i think i can do it through business they walk away from their, their job. And I think this is the hardest transition and I don't think it's talked about enough. And this is why so many businesses fail in the first year because the business owner can't keep going without making money. Mm. And I actually have told recently some business owners, go and get another job and hire someone else and promote your business more, but don't work in it because you're actually restraining your business mm. and... Because you're, you're working to pay your bills. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So yeah. that's, um, for me, those stats is pe too many people are trying to start new businesses instead of getting themselves into a position mm. financially, financial management for me, mm -hmm. both professionally and personal, where how much money you need to take out of the business. Yeah. And then saying, okay, now I've got the money to really go hard in a business and then you might be successful. Yeah, 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 yeah. We've got some guests in the studio here. Did you hear that, Bella? 
<laughs> yeah, perfect. All right. So, one, 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 one of yeah, the big yeah. parts of me, I, I, edge, I pride myself on personal finance as well. Mm-hmm. I, prior to my previous business, I was in the Air Force. Very stable income career that can go, you know, for as long as it wants to go. Mm-hmm. But I was young, wasn't educated, didn't have any mentors, found myself with $2.23 in the bank on a Tuesday and didn't get paid until the Thursday. Wow. And luckily, I, because I was in the Air Force, there was a mess. Mm-hmm. I could go and eat at the mess and it would come out of my pay so I didn't need to go buy any food. Luckily, I had enough petrol in my car to get to work because I didn't live on base and I got through until the Thursday. But I sat back and I said, I never, like, I never want to come back to this situation. And I started research. I started tracking all of my money, started treating my money more like a business. I downloaded Microsoft Money, which was a free program back then, and I tracked every bit of money that I spent. And it was from really then that I started growing as from that financial management to really look at, okay, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. there's no point in earning money if I'm just going to spend it. Mm-hmm. I might as well be on the dole. You know? yeah, 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 yeah. Everyone loves a rock and roll. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. as far as that, mm. like, mm. for you, like, when you, or what, what would you say? How many years ago did you start your business? Seventeen. Seventeen. So when you started your business seventeen years ago, yeah, yeah. What was your position back then? Well, I started. This is a. I don't tell this story very often, but I was burnt out. I'm a. I've. I've I was never trained to be an employee. So I, I grew up in a. In a in a family business, mm. con- design and construction business. My dad's an architect, you know, we did developments. Um, and so it was boom bust for us, you know, um, payday from a development and then like nothing, you know, winter in the desert, you know, for, for long periods of time. And so you kind of learn to live. Um, and I've been self-funded since I was 15 and, and for, for, you know, failed business reasons. And that's another part of the story. But yep. for me, when I started the business, I was burnt out. Um, I couldn't play the political game working in a couple of big corporates had an $8,000 tax return and I said to my wife I got the $8,000 check yeah uh, we had a mortgage um, my wife was working full-time and I was like I'm gonna go freelance so it was the great right. re- it was the great 2004 it was the great resignation I was like this, I can't do this uh, there's a couple of people asking me to do some contracting work I'm just gonna I'll, I'll register a proprietary limited I'll go do some contracting I didn't kind of intend on starting a business I just didn't know what I was doing. Yep. Um, and But what I did do was I kept my um, – we didn't kind of have an issue because my wife and I have been all, always pretty good with having cash in the bank for emergencies and rainy day because she's a traveller. Yep. And she's like, save up the money, leave it in the bank, it. spend it on a holiday, <laughs> right? And that's how she works. So there was always kind of cash in the bank because she was like, no, 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 you can't spend that because we need it for the holiday. So for us, it was kind of, you know, you know, living on the smell of an oily rag. But what I did do was I kind of went from, I don't know – couple hundred bucks a day to a thousand dollars a day and so instead of increasing my lifestyle expenses and my the accountant at the time said something to me he says now you've registered your company he said don't go and buy a fancy car Mm. and that's and i think that a couple of mistakes that not everybody makes but some people make is they go all of a sudden they, they may have a little bit of early success and and not necessarily go buy a house because you need some records but they'll go yep. maybe rent a more expensive house get a better car go buy some clothes and kind of you know it's it's the flashy entrepreneur that's not really an entrepreneur that you see on instagram for example what i did was i took my eight thousand dollar tax return and i said i've got four weeks to survive and at four weeks we'll run out of money and i need to go get a job 
So I did some contracting. All of a sudden I had 10 weeks. Then I had 12 weeks in the bank. And then I had 16 weeks in the bank. And it got to a point where I had six months worth of, I could go for six months with no work, networking, selling, marketing, doing everything. And I could go for that long. I could go for six months and we've got, it's, it's runway essentially. And we talk about that now with startups. You talk about runway and burn rate. Um, so if, you, if, you, if you're thinking about a start, startup and you're talking about doing a raise, you still got to do the work. And I think yep. a lot of people's startups don't realize that. You still got to go actually build the thing. It's not just about the raise. <laughs> it's about go find customers. Yep. And the best way to fund a startup, separate discussion point, is to get customers to fund it. Not an investor, yep. right? Because when you get investors to fund it, you don't own it anymore. Get a customer to fund it, you own the whole thing. Yep. So I did it with $8,000 tax return, six months. In the second year, I actually ate into that six months. Mm. It came back down to a month. Yep. But what I did do in the time, because I didn't have any work, and that was, it wasn't actually then, it was, I think it was actually 2000 and 2006, maybe 2007, um, work did dry up because I'd been really busy. I didn't do any marketing and selling and I tripped over myself. What I did do in that time was build products and I built some training courses and some bits and pieces that we've then leveraged and we're still leveraging today yep. um, in, in that point in time. But that's how I got started. Yeah, so a thing that I talk about is it, it's kind of like the business owner trap and I'd be interested to know because I've got my story around this, but what it is is where the business owner starts a business, they've got their thing that they do. Mm-hmm. And generally, they'll start a business around that, and they will. You know, we talk about this: the business owner being the jack of all trades. They do everything in the business. Now, the issue with that is, is well, the business is paying them their wage that they need to live off. As again, what I talk about, they're not actually profitable yet; they're just paying themselves. So then, there's the question of when do you hire that first person? And what I see is, is that it's like the business owner trap where it's how do I incur more expense by employing someone? Because you're not just, as soon as you employ that person, yes, you want that person to bring in more money, but it's not going to happen straight away. So there's this lag time where you've then got to fund it. So for you, how did, because I know now you aren't like in the business mm-hmm. like you would have been yep. Yep, yep. when you were yep. at the start. How did you transition out of that? Because to me, that's valuable for every business owner. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, one of the other podcast guests was talking about that was one of his big struggles. Like he's yeah, really yeah. struggling with that. Yeah. Look, I, I think from my perspective, in hindsight, yep. <laughs> how did I do it? And, and, and I guess you could say, actually, this is successful. No, no one's ever asked me this question before, so I, I, I really like it. I hired, The very first person I hired... I hired them to do the work that I was really good at. Okay. The best, the thing, right? Yeah, right. It yeah. was the thing. Um, because, and I don't know why I did this, but it was it's a successful strategy now that you asked me this question. Because that was the easiest thing for me to teach somebody. Yep. And so she came in and she worked for me for about two years and I taught her how to do all the technical stuff that I could do. Because that was, that was the fastest thing. I couldn't fast teach someone to sell or do the accounting or do the bookkeeping or that because I was still trying to figure that shit out. Yep. But the stuff I was really, really good at, I was able to teach someone really quickly. Not only that, I was able to dive in if there was an emergency. And I could do that with my eyes shut in the middle of the night. Right? It's, it's, it's bringing a smile to my face because I almost feel like we just cracked an egg in that, in that space and it's something that I've thought about. All the advice that you hear... 
it's outsource the stuff that you don't like doing. Correct. Correct. <laughs> right? That's Correct. what everyone yeah, says. And it's bullshit. <laughs> That's yeah, what I, yeah, yeah. you know, I, yeah, I do yeah. bookkeeping. I'm very good at bookkeeping. I learned it from our business previous, which is a family business, because that's what the business needed. So mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. grabbed the MyOB instruction manual and I learned it. And I, you know, the business mm-hmm. had a $30,000 loss per month. I was like, I need to work out the financial foundation to get this right. So I learned it and I operated and I did all of my own bookkeeping. And now we offer bookkeeping through Boss Brain. And mm-hmm. it's my, what I'd say, my marquee product that I want yeah, to lean yeah, into. Yeah, it's yeah. got good retainer. It's, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. if, you, if you've got a bookkeeper that you trust, you'll generally stay with them for many years. It's consistent business. Mm-hmm. And it leads into other things. Mm-hmm. My first hire is a bookkeeper. Perfect. And now that you've just said that, I've realised that's why. Because we talk about this, you need in as a business owner to be able to monitor what your staff are doing and be able to teach them so they can grow. Correct. And people get people to come into their business that they don't know how to do because that's what the advice that they're given, mm. but they don't really know whether they're being yeah, yeah, good yeah, at yeah. it or they don't know how to teach them. They don't know how to step in if they get sick. Like... And it creates a whole heap of other problems. So it's it's really I think it's, it's funny really you said it's funny we're talking about this because I literally had a conversation with our operations manager in one of our businesses yesterday, and she yep. was like, "We're short on resources," and I said, "Do not panic." Yep. I said because literally I can clear my schedule, and like and worst in. case scenario is I can step in and do that job. Um, and not only that, there's another director in one of our other businesses and another senior person who sits across all the businesses. The three of us can all step in. It, it is literally 60 billable days a month that we can dive in and, and we can fix a, fix a disaster. Yeah. So I think it's a really interesting point that, look, there's obviously lots of discussion with people around passion mm. and what are you passionate about and what do you want to do and all that kind of stuff. And people saying, oh, you know what, do what makes you happy. No, do the thing that you're prepared to fight for. What, what is the thing in your business that you're prepared to die for? Yep. Like you, as a parent, you'll die for your kids, you know, like you'll fight for your kids. So I think there's a, there's a couple of misguided messages around obviously that with, with resourcing and what's the first person you hire um, and, and, and you can supervise that and fix that and keep training that. And then the second thing is what are you passionate about? It's the thing you're going to fight for, that mm. you'll die. I'm prepared to take this one all the way to the death. Yep. Yeah, and I think, and I know you guys talk about this in your business with your, your policies and your procedures and really laying that out. How do you lay out a policy and procedure for something you don't know how to do? Good point. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it's like, isn't yeah, it easier yeah, yeah. to hire, like yeah. do the thing that you're really good at do that you know back the front, mm-hmm. write out how you do it, write out the procedure, then hand it over to someone else, then learn the next part. Yeah, yeah. And do that policies and procedure, you know? Yeah, it, yeah, it's, yeah. It's just kind of, but it's 100%. just, it's counter, it's 100%. counter to what we, uh, uh, people advise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's interesting because, I, I, I do agree that that so you, you do that the transition then so you got that person coming in mm-hmm, mm-hmm. what happens then you've got a you got one person yeah like how quickly does it go after that um pretty quick yeah it, it depends how you want to push it right so they talk about like your most profitable days the day before you hire your first employee I don't know if I agree with that because certainly these days it's quite profitable <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but um, certainly a lot more I, I think um I think that depending, look, this is the thing that I'm really passionate about, which is strategy, which is choosing, not the, not the riches are in the niches, but 
um, or niches, as we say in, here in Australia. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, but um, I think that we've got to have a conversation about choosing markets and we've got to have a conversation about choosing businesses and business types because, you know, I, people see me do this in our videos all the time. It's like, don't be a focus group of one. Um, and, and I think I've probably stolen that from Gary um, but it's something that's really meaningful to me around two things. One is, yes, there's some great ideas out there, but you might be solving a problem for yourself and yep. it's not a very big group of people that have that problem. Yep. Um, what you think is not, you know, what you think looks great and is great is not necessarily what the market thinks looks great, is great yep. and is a problem. So, I mean, let's talk about the businesses you're, you're looking to go into. That decision's predicated on a coming boom, mm. Right. You're like there's businesses we're choosing to look at and invest in and there's things we're looking away from. Yep. And I think freelancers and that kind of stuff, it, it's much easier to be successful in business if you've got a tailwind. Yep. Yeah, I, I think um, where people jump in, a lot of the time the easy thing is generally the thing that everyone's already jumped on. It's not, it's not a new thing. You know, like let's say a Google ad specialist right now, you jump onto the freelance thing. There's thousands of them, you know, around the world. You know, it's not, it's not really a problem. Like it, it's the thing is, there's an argument to say if the problem's still there, there's an opportunity, and there is still businesses out there that have problems with their marketing strategy. So there's still an opportunity there. The issue is, is are those business owners willing to spend the money to solve that problem? And a lot of the time, the answer is no. So even though the problem's there there's got to be a willingness there as mm -hmm. well to buy the solution. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a piece that people miss is that they think even if they have identified a big problem in the market and they're going to focus on that problem, are the people with the problem actually willing to solve the problem or do the work or pay or the money? Or have the money. Yeah, or have the money in the first place. So mm. um, that's a big thing when you're looking at, okay, well, what am I going to go into I don't think people look at I, I, I agree. one of my, my one of my knacks that I I feel like I have is generally being a pretty good predictor of markets and general kind of more macro things that are going on in the world and the direction that the things are heading. I'm not like awesome at you know organization like you know emotional intelligence and all of that kind of stuff. That's not my strong suit. Yeah, yeah. That's where my wife comes into it. Mm -hmm. um, but as far as the bigger moves as far as saying, okay, I'm going to go in this direction. I have a generally a pretty good feel about, okay, this is what's going to happen. As far as working that out, I don't know how to teach that. Mm -hmm. like, I don't know <laughs> if you've yeah, got I any advice around that. I think there's a little bit of life that. experience. I think, um, look, I think that, and we got a couple of people here in the studio with us and, and this is advice that I'll give you right now, Bella, is that despite the desire to go start a business and work for something, you are almost a thousand percent more likely to be successful if you start your business when you're 30 because you have watched it being done and made mistakes while someone else is paying you. Yep. And so I think that there's a couple of things which is, is to go and get some experience and but move around till you find a place where you're actually happy to work under somebody under a good leader. It's no different to sports players. They will follow a coach or they'll follow a, a team because they know that person can make them successful and we've only got a limited amount of experience to refer back to. Yep. So I think those aspects, if I'm answering, I hope I'm answering the question in terms of considering 
how can we set ourselves up for success? Yeah, I think the issue we have coming like for younger generations coming out of school and uni and whatever, there's like this framework that's laid out in front of you to say, oh, what are you going to do for work? Are you going to be a lawyer Mm -hmm. or a teacher Mm -hmm. or whatever? Mm -hmm. Like it's very rigid. It's like there's no innovation or it's like and most of the time i mean i come out of school i went to the air force as an avionics technician i then jumped into a caravan park now i'm doing bookkeeping for (laughs) and coaching for other businesses like very different things um so i do think people kind of get locked into a certain direction and they don't look probably one of my biggest learnings and assets is i'm a very good observer I don't mm. read books like you do. Like I, I, I'll read, mm-hmm. but I don't. I don't feel like I learn heaps from reading. Mm-hmm. I've always learnt from observing, and I've observed behaviours of like my dad and my mum and my brother when I was in the younger years of what works and what doesn't work. What do I stay away? Then friends as I got older. Okay, that friend's going and I don't like that. I'm not going to do what they're doing. Oh, that friend's doing something. I like what they're doing. So I'm going to kind of replicate those things. And when I go down the street, I look. I'm always looking. Like I, I look you at watch, things, yeah. you know, yeah, like yeah, and, yeah. I, and I, I'm i always going, oh, yeah, okay, that's that. And like I'm probably a bit, you know, a bit on the spectrum in the sense I look at a lot of things, like a lot more. I'm very aware of everything that's going on um, and that – lets me work out okay what are people kind of going towards you know we met at gvx with gary he talks about reading comments and that's how he does it Mm -hmm. so i think if you are going you want to go into business and you want to have that i think it's important to establish how do you understand what the market's doing like learn how you do it because different people do it in different ways yeah 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 100 percent. look i i think obviously market research is really important and you know, is there, you know, the first thing is what's the problem we're solving? The second thing is does the person who has the problem have the money to pay for it? Yep. Um, are there any other people doing it? I think to a certain extent it is good in the first instance to be in an established market because it's less money to educate. Yep. Um, and I've got some views around pricing and that, that that's maybe a separate discussion. But back to your question about can you teach the observation in terms of I think observations one – I think understanding what basic human needs are is two. What drives people to action and movement yep. uh, is another part to it. But if you you can kind of learn that stuff, but I can for the benefit of the viewers and listeners, I yep. can I can say two things that you should do um, or should consider doing. One is to read the investment the investment advice of people like Morgan Stanley. They re- they release these reports and they say this is where you should be putting your money if you're investing in shares or property or different asset classes. They, as we record this right now, are saying don't put any more money into stock exchanges. Now, for me, that's a, ha, huh, that's interesting. That means they're going to crash. Yeah. Right. They've got nothing left in them in terms of upside, and they're in fact they're actually saying vacuum your money out now while it's topping, and and. This is public knowledge, but a lot of people are saying, oh, I can't believe the 2008 stock exchange crash. Mm. It was forecasted, but people weren't reading the forecast or looking for it. So yeah. go find the solid you know, forecasters if you like. So to me, there's, then there's this seesaw trend. So when stock exchanges go down, property goes up. We already think property did a rally. You haven't seen anything, <laughs> yeah. right? So real estate for the next five years from 2022 through to 2027, real estate, 
and then back into the stock market. Yep. So, you know, in terms of actually investing and, and considering those kind of things, the second thing is, and I can't remember the name of the book, because um, I am, I have gluttony as far as books are concerned, but there's a, <laughs> as you know, but there's a book, um, there's a guy that releases a book every year, which is like, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a trends forecast book and he's got a series of books. I'll, we'll, we'll put the link in the comments below the video. We'll figure out what it's called, but there's a guy that he is doing every year, or every second year. It's like business trends for the next couple of years. Right. And so, for example, he's recommending you consider any businesses to do with CBD. So uh, marijuana-based businesses. He's talking, because there's a trend there. It's being globally legalized. Maybe. Um, show me the cover. Uh, no. Um, so, um, you know, looking at metaverse businesses. Mm. Well, I mean, like, I mean, the, the, the fact that Facebook's just changed the name to Meta, I mean, that's... You've got to go. Where, <laughs> like, there's, so it's, if, if it's about... And there's two distinctions here, right? There's, there's, it's okay to want to make a lot of money. And I, and I think that that's not talked about enough. Yep. But if you want to make a lot of money, then fuck doing what you really like. Mm. Do something where somebody else has been successful. I've got two really good friends. They run one of the largest garbage truck companies <laughs> in the country. <laughs> and they pick up garbage and sometimes there's dead bodies in it. Yep. And, and it stinks and all of their trucks stink. I, I think on that... I had a, a, a comment. I, I've got a client who does septic waste, and their comment was, "People always need a shit. <laughs> like that's never going to change, you know. It's like not gonna change. it's not going to change. So it's and that's why I'm looking at my business and saying, well, people always like every business in existence needs to do bookkeeping. Correct. Not every business needs business coaching. So that's kind of like a fringe." kind of almost like mm -hmm. a cherry on the top mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. But every business needs bookkeeping. Every mm -hmm. business needs insurance. Every mm -hmm. business needs marketing, you know, mm -hmm. like. Mm -hmm. So that's why I'm looking at those those types of things because it's not actually industry specific. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm involved in the caravan park industry. That was my previous business. So it makes sense for me to target that market because I understand the systems, I understand all the things rather than targeting say like the construction industry. If yeah. I go to someone yeah. in the construction industry and say, hey, I want to do your bookkeeping, and they'll be like, oh, what do you know about this? I'm like, ah, not, not much. It, <laughs> yeah. 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 it doesn't yeah. give them confidence. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. I think um, establishing what is in the industries, but also what do people need and are going to continue to need as opposed mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. just want. Yeah, let's talk about some other examples because we yep. always, always end up talking about business. People need clothes, yep. shoes, socks, toothpaste, toothbrushes. Did you know there's only four toothbrush manufacturers globally? Yeah, right. So start making toothbrushes. <laughs> right, there's your tip, right? Um, so um, um, food, right? Ideally fruit and vegetables. So there's always going to be a need for farming. Yep. There's always going to be a need for like farming protein. Um, manufactured foods are going to come and go. Um, and then there's ancillary things. Some people, like we said, some people have business coaching, for example, but a lot of people... Some people buy vitamins. Some yep. people don't buy vitamins. That's right. Some people have haircuts. Some people like me do them themselves. Mm. You know? So it's, you know, there's more people after lockdowns do their own haircuts. <laughs> exactly right. So, so um, 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 some people make their own coffee. Some people buy their coffee. Um, some people make their own food. Some people buy their food. But there are some fundamental things that, like, we, you know, everyone said there was a toilet paper shortage. Right? There was no toilet paper shortage. We didn't use more toilet paper. No. We just used it at home. 
instead of at work. Yeah, that's like a good point. Like half the guys that work for us wait till they come to work. Plus people were stockpiling it. 100%. There's that too. But then there was like, but there was no more consumed, right? There was no more food consumed. It's just that we stopped eating food in restaurants. Yeah. We started eating at home. There was so a shift. 100%. Same with 100%. money. It's, it's, I've, people have, my, where we live, the market, the property prices have gone crazy. And it's like you look at it and you go, where's this money coming from? The comment that I've made is during this lockdown where the markets crashed and people are mm. like, the money's still there. The money hasn't disappeared. Yeah. It's just shifted. Moved. It's, yep. That's all that's happened. It's not yep. like yep. it's still in the system. It's just, is it still in people's bank accounts or has it gone to, like we know there's businesses that are really struggled, but then there's businesses that are boomed. So all that's happened is, is the money's shifted from there to there. Yeah. You yep. know, and that's what you're talking about. There's still a need for those things. Mm. But instead of people spending at the restaurants, they're spending it more at the supermarkets. Yeah, 100%. So if you're thinking about business ideas, kind of to wrap this point, it's about looking at those observations, the observations of movement. Yep. What, um, what do you think about, um, we, we kind of started talking and I'm going to jump the gun on this question. Um, we, we're kind of talking cold calling, door knocking, human interaction face-to-face post-COVID. Let's hit that question. All right. I want to jump one back. Go ahead. Because you wanted me to ask you about this. We went to GVX with Gary V. Mm-hmm. Gary V spoke and said, hey, we should be doing these strategies. And I come back from New York going, all right, we hired a, a marketing, a content creator. We're going to lean into doing massive content creation. We're going to, you know, podcast. Mm-hmm. We're going to, you know, mm-hmm. video, YouTube. We're going to be doing work, mm-hmm. like all of these things. And COVID hit, and for me personally, it stopped us in our tracks because what it did was it made me go back to on defense. You got to save the farm. Yep, protect the other side of the business. Now, from me, from a, a third party watching you, I feel like you still executed on that. Mm-hmm. So how did you go about that? Because the amount of podcasts and stuff that you've done since that, mm-hmm. you've really executed well on that, mm-hmm. on the social media side of it. Mm-hmm. How did you manage to do that while everything else is still going, going on in the to world? Shit. <laughs> yeah. In 2020, we did 36,000 social media posts. Yeah. We were posting Phenomenal. 100 times a day <laughs> because I was like, I was like, we had, we had already seen some early results, right? Because it, it, to, to go to kind of New York prior to that was London. And I wanted to prove a point. So I wanted to, and I forget exactly what the graph was, but we had like a 1,000% increase in our marketing activities because I wanted to go to London from executing in Sydney. Yeah. So we had the Sydney session. You guys missed London. Yeah. Um, and I wanted to go to London with a piece of paper that said, look what we did. Mm. We saw a direct relationship between our social media activity and our profitability. Like the graphs mirrored each other and Mm. i went well if it did it already i'm going to keep doing it and i was like if we 10x our marketing can we 10x our business now the reality was that we went into the headwind working even harder it's what saved us yep so so offense as opposed to defense we went into offense and we went bonkers now how did i achieve that everyone says oh i don't have the resources and i don't have the time yes you do you pay for them. Mm. And so I have a team of 12 and we just maintained that team of 12 and yep. we just kept hitting it really hard. Um, and, I, and I think that 
I'm not prepared to hear, like people go, oh yeah, but you've got a team and you've got this and I'm really, you know, you've, you've no, I've, I've had to learn it. I've had yep. to build a team. I've had to pay for the team. I've had to invest in people and they come and go and they quit and they start and all that kind of stuff. And people are like, oh, but you've got a team and you've got all of this. It's like, well, I've built that from scratch. Yep. You know, you can't buy it. You can't, we're doing stuff which, you know, he, he said to us in the program, he said, they're doing stuff that you can't Google. Mm. We're now doing stuff you can't yep. Google. And yeah. I think what's, we just started our podcast, you know, two weeks ago. And it's funny because I messaged you, I said, we've just started talking business with Boss Raid and yeah, you yeah, released yeah. it. And I said, great minds think alike. Yeah. But my wife didn't want to put the first one out because she couldn't make it because something happened with our kids and it was me by myself. And there was a few things that went happened, like a few things went wrong. My phone went off in it yeah, and yeah, yeah, something yeah, else yeah. <laughs> happened. And I was like, no, we're putting it out. Absolutely. So because I'm not just executing it for 10 podcasts. It's a mm. long-term strategy. 100%. So when you started, yeah. it wasn't anywhere near what it is now. No. Yeah. No. So I think that's... I mean, we're in our second version of our studio. Like we yep. built a big studio in our previous office and we packed up that office due to COVID and it was like, oh, fuck, we've got to build another studio. Yeah. Um, and, and it's been work. Like it's soundproofed in the ceiling and it's, all, and it's all that kind of stuff. But my advice to anyone kind of, we can debate where social media fits in marketing and all that kind of stuff. That's a kind of a separate question. But what I will say is when you start, no one's watching. Yeah, exactly. And often... often the people that are watching are your harshest critics, right? <laughs> That's right. They're your friends and family. That's, yeah. And so, you know, we, we, we started YouTube and we started doing YouTube videos. And our very you can, the YouTube video that we started with is still on my YouTube channel. Go to Best Practice TV on YouTube. Search by oldest. So you can search by most popular. You can flip the filter, right? There's three filters on YouTube on a YouTube channel. There is most popular, oldest and newest. Flip our YouTube channel, click videos, flip it and go to the very first video. It'll pop up at the top of the search and it's edit, 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 edit. <laughs> because every single thing I was saying had and arm and arm and arm and the, and the video editor I had at the time, he edited out all the arms. And oh, so it was, like right. a, it was like an epileptic <laughs> fit video, right? But no, I was watching, right? It's, got, it's, got, it's only got views because I tell people yeah, to go watch it. Yeah, your friends and family. And, yeah. But, it, but you yeah. know, people are like, oh, this is crap. We can't put that out. You've got to take it down. My biggest regret in business is letting an employee who was working for us at the time not let me do Google AdWords yeah, when it was this. really yeah. cheap because she didn't like our website. And it literally we didn't update our website for 18 months because we had this like do it, don't like it, do it, don't like it. It needed to be perfect. And I thought that was the way to go because I hired somebody in that space that I wasn't very good in. Yep. To do that, Instead of learning and it's it. my biggest regret. Yep. Now I don't. I, I, that's not their fault. That's my fault. Yep. Because I knew what we needed to do, and I was like regretting it every single day. And I should have said no. Fucking turn it on. The day we turn it on, I like literally no budget. It was Google AdWords, and I let Google have my credit card, and they spent twenty five thousand dollars in a week. And but we got leads. Yep. And I was like, right, now we've got something to work with. We can because they were like, all they were like working out was what they liked or didn't like. And yep. that's nothing wrong with that, because they did a great job and they had a good eye for detail. Mm. But we weren't getting any market feedback. And that's what I I need market feedback. Yeah. And so that's what what has been built, I guess, now as a result in terms of ex yes, we executed a lot. We were in the top ten posters on um, on LinkedIn last year in terms of quantity of of mm. content going up. I was the first person in Australia to get LinkedIn Live by request. They gave it to influencers and I was like, I want it, I want it, I want it, I want it. They're like, fuck, take it, go away. Yeah. And 
So I'm going to lead into what you asked me because I, yep. I'm a big person about answering questions. I was actually going to name a podcast "Answer the Question" because it really frustrates when people don't answer the question. <laughs> but be- do that. <laughs> but before we do that, yep, yep. one thing that's stopped me from doing some things is like, how do you deal with coming up with the content for a long period of time? And I have a fear of repeating my content. Do you have that? Like, do you repeat content? Do Absolutely. You, yep. So yeah. how do you manage that? Because I think there's a lot of people who don't do stuff because they're like, oh, I said that last month. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say it again because I've, like, I've already said it to yeah, people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, here's the thing, right? So um, you've got people searching and they don't search the thing every month to get the same result every month, which will be your content every month. Yep. Everybody's evolving all of the time. Everybody's learning all of the time. Everybody's building on their foundations, like building a brick wall. It's layer upon layer upon layer. Yeah. And so it's important. I don't like doing it. Like I'm just like everybody else. I don't like going back and repeating my content. But when I repeat a 101 video on a quality management system and how to write policies and procedures, our viewers froth over it. Yeah. But it's not the same group. It's a completely different group because I do it, say, every three or six months. They do. Like we send it out. It's like our most oversubscribed webinars that we run is when we promote this topic because they've come down from my old YouTube videos. They've ended up on the email list and we email it out. We say, hey, we're going to do this thing. They're like, oh, I'm in. Because they've ended up in our funnel. They're like, he's talking about stuff. No, that's too advanced. I want to talk about the basics. Yeah. So everybody's kind of on this journey. At a certain stage. So the importance is that the, the biggest trap you can fall into, and I fall into it all of the time, I still keep smashing my face into this trap, is that I've moved on and grown as a person and I want to talk about this other topic, but I'm known for these other the, the mm. old stuff. And so it's like, it's like the band that's got to keep playing their greatest hits. Yep. You go to the concert, you want to hear the stuff you know. You don't want to hear their new shit. Fuck yeah. the new shit off. <laughs> Play the stuff I love. I want to sing along. Yeah. And that's what happens is your, your viewers are like, that's what that I'm paying you to show up and play me your greatest hits. I don't want to go and see your like latest live powder finger. Yeah. And, I, and I think also I suffered from the last lockdown in Melbourne. I suffered mentally. I was like, I even said to them, I said, we're going into lockdown again. But when it happened, it just really beat me down. I was mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm, I think I, we're all beaten down. I realized I'm actually more extroverted than what I thought I was an introvert. I'm actually mm-hmm. more extroverted. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went back to listen to some people that I used to listen to and they're saying exactly the same thing, but what it did is it got me out of the rut. Yeah. It got me, it was like building on something that I'd already listened to. It was like reinforcement. So mm-hmm. I think, you know, listening to you say that it's like people do need to rehear it because Absolutely. if you just hear it once. Yeah. You've read re- the book Traction by Gino Wickman. He says, you've got to say it to your people seven times. Yeah. So maybe once you've repeated your content seven <laughs> times, you can move on. Yeah. But you, your listeners and your viewers and the people that you're kind of doing content for and, and, the, and, your, and your team members have got to hear it seven times. I think the only counter thing to that is is like you, anything you talk about that's relevant around timing, you probably don't want to repeat that because it's like, Absolutely. well, it's not relevant anymore. Yeah, so yeah, don't yeah, just yeah, do yeah, it yeah. for the sake of it. You know? yeah. So you asked me the question about cold calling, door knocking, you know, that kind of thing. So I raised this with you before as far as social media now for me is quite mature. Digital marketing is quite mature. It's been around for a number of years now. And 
there's a lot of people that are doing it. There's a lot of competition. We've come out of lockdown, some more than others. Some people haven't really been locked down, but a lot of the world has been locked down. And I'm in the studio with you today. I've flown up from Melbourne, not just for this. I'm using it for an escape for myself. (laughs) But I said, I want to do this with you. I I don't want to do it over a Zoom. I've done so many Zooms. Where do you see that as far as from a marketing strategy and how it should influence people moving forward now coming I know you say we're in the middle of COVID, but moving through COVID and moving into the future, because I have a theory on it mm. as far as people having personal contact and relationship mm-hmm. building. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about that as far as what businesses should be doing on top of that? I'm not saying stop their social media strategy, mm-hmm. but how do you, like? what would your thoughts be around that topic oh look it's really simple sex is much better with another person right, <laughs> <laughs> right? Oh, it's oh, not look, rocket look, science right april but, i don't know the answer uh, to that <laughs> <laughs> we love you april um, but um no i look i think that um you know i think that we're tactile creatures and and fundamentally we're tactile creatures i think that what social media gives us is top of the funnel um scale mm. um but people in fact, what it actually does is it creates more of a desire for people to get in your proximity. Yep. And so I think that um, don't see social media as an alternative to human contact. See it as a, as a way to stay in contact in the absence of the human contact. And then the only other thing I'll say is that, you know, I live and breathe the five love languages by Gary Chapman. Okay. So you've got touch. Right, it's one of the five love languages. So you've got touch, you've got words of affirmation, you've got acts of service, you've got gifts, and you've got quality time. It's really hard to have quality time. We've tried it. We've tried the family FaceTime, Zoom, <laughs> kids, you know, birthday parties and stuff. With you know, my family's really close. Um, some of them are interstate, and we've tried the kind of everyone's kind of looking at the screen and and granddad's sitting there with the iPad on his lap in his rocking chair, so we're looking up his really hairy nostrils. You know, we've, you know, to have the grandkids, what, you know, I've never seen pop from that angle, you know. But so I think you've got, you know, you've got to have quality time and that's got to be, you know, that's together. You've got touch. So already you've got two of the five, which are proximity. Mm. Then you've got words of affirmation. They kind of land better when the vocal tone and the energy reverberation is not through a microphone and the internet and to somebody. It's not processed. Correct. Exactly right. And then you've got, you know, you've got acts of service and you've got gifts. Like it's, you know, we've, we've been sending gifts to our team members. Like we sent hampers out yesterday for Christmas to everybody. Um, and it was really well received by about 20% of the business because yep. those people are probably, they're like, their primary love language, probably gifts. And mm. they feel valued because they got a gift. There's other people that feel valued because of quality time or people that feel valued because of touch. So I think that if you just took human nature in terms of then, in terms of doing business, absolutely businesses, everybody says, oh, you know, we couldn't, we couldn't win that business because the other guys had a better relationship. Yeah, It's absolutely, like, I think we've got to, you've got to adjust to the circumstances, but don't see it as... You know, there's, I, I interviewed um, earlier today um, Bernadette Schwert, who wrote the book um, The Secrets of Online Entrepreneurs. Fantastic book if you haven't read it, book, book recommendation. Um, and yes, there's a lot of really successful online businesses, but they're still built on relationships. Yes. Yep. And so my thoughts on that is that the social media, you, you need to keep doing social media. But what I feel is that it's created a lazy 
business environment where business owners now think that the strategy is create a Facebook page, a website, create a product, and then just spend an ass ton of money on Facebook ads, Google ads, you know, whatever, and I've got a business and it's going to be successful. The problem what people don't realise is there's thousands of other people out there doing that. Business is not about being lazy. Business, no, you, it's you, a full contact sport. That's right. And people, but people don't like to do the hard stuff. The hard stuff is walking down the main street and knocking on people's doors and saying, hey, how are you going? You know, like you come out of COVID all right and, you know, this is what I'm doing. That's hard because it's when you compare it directly to an ad that you run, it doesn't seem like you're using your time in the best way. Hmm. But if you can take advantage of, I think you still need a target instead of just randomly doing it. Like it's mm-hmm. no different mm-hmm. to targeting social mm-hmm. media. Don't just randomly walk down a street and knock on people's doors that probably mm-hmm. aren't going to buy it. I think it should be a bit targeted mm-hmm. um, depending on what your business is. But it because it is harder, I personally see that there's a huge opportunity for that. Mm-hmm. So me personally as a, as a business owner and what I talk about with the business owner trap, I'm making sure that I'm not doing my physical work. So I'm handing over as much work as I can Mm -hmm. so that I can hit the streets to promote my business. I can get out there and do -hmm. those things, touch, see, look, you Mm -hmm. know, Mm -hmm. form relationships. Mm -hmm. Now they probably won't happen straight away, Mm -hmm. but it's more long-term and they might call me back in three months. Hey, you know, remember you walked in and it will mean more because Everyone else is sending them emails or send, seeing Facebook posts. When they then see my Facebook ad, they're going, oh, there's Trent, mm-hmm. you know, or there's Boss Brain. That's who came and seen us, mm-hmm. you know, like mm-hmm. it's that extra touch point that majority of business owners don't want to do again. Yeah. I'll tell you, here's a cool story that I told you I'd tell you. So I spent the weekend at a uh, wooden boat festival a couple of weeks ago, which is a lot of fun. And you can check out the MY Silver Cloud 2 Instagram and, and, <laughs> And um, but I spent this weekend with these guys, and there was a there was a kind of a group of us with similar these big wooden boats that we all restore and look after and stuff. And the other the guys across the marina from me, I had dinner with them one night, and they telling me this story about how this boat has had been so important in building the Vizzy Empire. Okay. With the Pratts, um, and and I do follow Anthony Pratt. And back to your comment about how long does it take to make a business, Anthony Pratt's pretty consistent on his social media about it. it takes seven years to make a factory profitable okay and i agree with that because it's taken that long to make this yep. thing profitable but they talked about the that this boat was going out in its heyday three times a week with groups of people from the business like suppliers and customers and entertaining people and and they signed heaps of deals on this boat mm. and and the boat the, the accountant was constantly challenging this constant cost of yeah. two full-time staff all this alcohol, all the maintenance costs because high maintenance boat. But the owners were like, this boat can stay for as long as it wants for hundreds of years because we signed a $100 million deal on the dashboard mm. and it had $30 million profit in it. Yep. And the boat would never consume that profit in a million years. And no social media ad's going to do that. Correct. Exactly right. Yep. So, so it's got, you know, we talk about, I think what I want business owners of all sizes and anyone thinking about starting a business is to learn and start to under, learn about and trial and error your funnel. Yep. And social media is, it has got people's attention, but probably a little bit less so. Yep. 
And I think the reality is, is your marketing strategy needs to chase, you've A, got to identify the people you seek to serve. Who are the people that we really want to work with? Who are are the people that we are, our product or service is absolutely for, that we can guarantee success? Where are they hanging out? What's got their attention? And go where their attention is. And I mean, like, I put it down, but like, we still produce 2,000 copies of a magazine. Okay. Like even though we do, um, you know, we, we, you know, it's, this is expensive. Yeah. Like it's about a $100,000 exercise. Yeah, right. Um, and we send them out in the mail and the bloody things cost about six bucks just to send. Not only the fact that they cost about 10 bucks to print yep. and probably another 80 grand to actually write the content. But then they bloody come back because we got the address wrong. And the girl's now going through and like fixing up the wrong addresses. So I I think that while I I think that what what people can't see, because you can't see that part of our funnel unless you're right at the bottom of it Mm. and then you're a contact point of our client. So you can see the the marketing stuff, but once you actually start paying for our services, you see a shitload more right down the bottom of the funnel, including the face-to-face visit. Yeah, it's funny like um, there's, there's a guy who talks about it, omnipresence. Yeah. You can see today I'm wearing Boss Brain shirt. I'm not wearing this shirt just because of I'm coming to see you. Yeah, I wear this on the weekends. Like yeah, I, I wear it all the time because absolutely. people yeah. it reinforces that interaction when mm-hmm. they see you on social, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden they see you down the street, and then they yeah, might yeah, see a car, yeah. and then they might see a magazine, and then they might like it's it's the whole picture of the marketing. It's not just one thing, and I think that's where it becomes down to that laziness is where people just think they can just do one thing and success is going to come. Yeah, and yeah, and yeah, I think, yeah. yes, you spend more time and more resources on yeah, the yeah. thing that gets the best results, yeah, yeah. but don't just ignore all the other things because all these little touch points yeah, yeah, yeah. add into it. Yeah, so that's... I. There was one other thing I wanted to talk about with you mm-hmm. specifically and that was around... Being successful in business around persistence, determination, underlying qualities mm-hmm. that you see, you've spoken to a lot of business owners as far as the underlying requ- like qualities that you see people being able to do mm-hmm. compared to successful entrepreneurs mm-hmm. because... I think too many people are trying to start their own business. Mm -hmm. I think there's already a lot of businesses and I think people need to treat themselves like a a business more and there's no reason why you can't be really successful as an employee. But I feel like people sell themselves saying, oh, no, I'm just an employee so I'm not growing any wealth. I've got a good friend who is I won't name the franchise, but he's a franchise prop. Mm-hmm. And in that model, he doesn't actually own the business. Mm-hmm. He's like a glorified manager, so to speak. Yep. They get yep. a percentage yep. of profits and all of that, but mm-hmm. they don't actually own the business. So he's mm-hmm. not building anything. Mm-hmm. He's just getting paid a wage, but he mm-hmm. operates like a business owner. Mm-hmm. And my advice to him was, well, you need to build something else somewhere else because you can't build it in there. Mm-hmm. As far as identifying that, because that's where business ownership is not, Mm -hmm. it's actually not for the majority of people, but people feel like they need to do it if they really want to get ahead in life. Mm -hmm. 
what would you suggest as far as how do people identify whether they should be going and doing their own business or whether they're better off just working under other people? Yeah, look, I, I think that um, it's, a, it, it, it's a tough question. I think that if, if you absolutely if you absolutely can't understand why a business won't implement improvements, yep. then you should go start a business. But if you're, I want to make more money or if I want freedom or if I hate working for people or, you know, the, 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 the business owner decision comes from, I can, if I just get out of my way so I can do this myself because I can do, I can care for that person I seek to serve so much better. That's the decision to start a business. That's the decision to kind of go it and 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 promote and and build a worthy cause. Not I just want to earn more money or I want to take more holidays. It's well documented in a thousand business books. There are business books for people because I need more time off. Mm. Like don't quit your job and start a business because you want more freedom. Don't quit yourself <laughs> and start a business because you want more money. Because mm. the myths are. You work, if you're working 40 hours for somebody, you will work 80 hours. Mm. If you are having four weeks of annual leave or two weeks of annual leave, you will get no annual leave for the first five years. Yep. And, and, and you will drive a shit car and you will have to sell the really good car to put cash back into the business to pay your salaries and wages and the commitments. And the tax office is going to take their money from you whether you're profitable or not. So, so the business decision to start a business has to be get out of my way because I can. this person is in pain and I can really help them because I've got the solution to their problem yep. and no one can do it any better than me. Yep. Have you done a disc profile? Have I? Yeah. A number of times. Okay. What know, are you, what, I can't remember. You can't remember? No. Oh, okay. So my from what I've seen, majority of successful business yep. are relatively high D or C energies. Um, as opposed to IRS. For me, that's a very simple method that mm-hmm. someone... I'm not saying that you can't be successful, yeah, but yeah. I think the odds stack against you a little bit when you look at, mm-hmm. okay, am I that type of person? You can do these online and whatever. Mm-hmm. Where you go do a disc profile mm-hmm. because it takes a certain you know, personality to be able to lead people to be able to take mm-hmm. the tough knocks to be able to deal with firing people, you know, like mm-hmm. dealing with all of these things consistently yeah, that yeah. doesn't wear you down to emotion, an emotional point where you can't, you're not enjoying mm-hmm. it anymore. Mm-hmm. Someone who's like an S energy trying to fire someone, it'll destroy them for like two weeks. They'll be out yeah, of action. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's, that's just my two cents on that. I, I, I wanted to have a bit of an insight on that because for me, there's just too many people trying to start businesses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's easier to start a business and get married. <laughs> yeah, it is. I mean, register an ABN, start a Facebook page. There's a business. Off you go. Yeah, yeah. Um, mate, we're going to keep talking. Yeah. What I'm going to do is do a a, a wrap up because I want people to be able to contact you. Yep. So we're going to do more videos. You're going to go looking at our social pages. You're going to see more of this conversation. We're going to keep rolling. But for those of you that have been listening, this has been a fantastic conversation. Uh, it's always great to catch up with you. Where can people find you? Yep. So obviously on the net, bossbrain.com. Um, very simple website as far as, you know, easy to remember, not .au, it's just mossbrain.com. If you go to au, I think it still takes you there. Um, Facebook, LinkedIn, I'm there on my own profile. We've also got our Boss Brain profiles. Um, 
that's the easiest place to contact me. Trent at Boss Brain if you want it. At BossBrain.com if you want to email me. Perfect. So yep. go and check out what they're doing. Uh, that business is going to continue to expand. I'm, I'm excited to see what it does. Um, I'm going to get April in here for a conversation too because she should be chomping at the bit. Oh, it's a different perspective. Huge FOMO around not being here today and you yep. beat her in. So um, um, so we'll, we'll get more conversations taking place. So uh, it's been a fantastic episode, really great conversation. If you don't see me on Instagram or LinkedIn, you'll definitely see me right here next time, Best Practice TV or Talking Business uh, on your favourite podcast platform. Bye for now. Thanks, mate. That's been see awesome. Ya.